Now, we're going to look at um, uh, the verses that um, I'm going to look at in the sermon. So that's Ephesians chapter 6, the very last verses of Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, you can see that uh, on page 1163, the uh, the title of this last uh, section is called Final Greetings. So that's page 1163, verses 21 to 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. And actually, of course, the word that is used is literally in the Greek, brothers, but it clearly means brothers and sisters. Um, Here, it's referring to all of the believers. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible or with undying love, as the, uh, the New International Version says. Now let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our look into his word. Well, Father in heaven, we do ask you, Lord, that you may grant that our eyes will be open to see wonderful things in your word, but our hearts, Lord, will be um, pulled out of indifference and apathy to your word, uh, Lord, that we may not only see wonderful things, but we will want those wonderful things in our lives. And Lord, indeed, we pray that through your Holy Spirit, you may grant us a measure of the things that are promised in your word and are uh, discussed in this passage. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is uh, drawing his letter uh, to an end, and I just going to tell you now exactly what I'm going to be looking at. Four things. The importance of keeping in touch with one another in order to encourage each other. Secondly, I want to look at indestructible peace that God offers his people, indestructible love that we share in and are able to give to the Lord, and fourthly, the indestructible grace of God. And I'll explain why I put that adjective in for all three of those qualities. Peace, love, grace, indestructible. Now, firstly, though, I want to point out that um, Paul, at the end of this letter, basically says, I'm not just sending this letter by the Roman post. Actually, there there was quite a sophisticated postal system throughout the Roman Empire. There was the uh, highfalutin elite courier service that was carried official things, you know, to do with the empire, the army, and diplomacy, and so on. But there was also a... uh, uh, um, a smaller scale, but used the same road network and the same, um, the same um, sort of network of, today we'd call them hotels, but places where, they, where the people would stay who were the couriers for messages. Um, and if you're prepared to pay, you could, you could actually send letters through that, that form of communication. But notice, Paul didn't send his letter to the, to the Ephesians through that network. He sent a brother 
And we're told Tychicus is a beloved brother, and he's actually mentioned in Colossians uh, and other places. A faithful minister in the Lord will make everything known to you, not just about the letter, but about me, about Paul. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about us and that he, that he may comfort your hearts. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? We can learn something from this, actually, about the nature of, uh, of, of Christian relationships. And in fact, I'm touching upon something that, that uh, Henry was mentioning in, in his sermon this morning. The importance of interaction between people. Not facing, timing people on the phone all the time, but actually having face-to-face interaction and encouragement of Christians. Now, just point something out. Uh, letter writing, which Paul was involved in. Uh, today, we're losing that skill. Um, writing emails and texts is so easy and so quick compared to laboriously you know, writing out longhand letters to people long letters, that many of us have given up, and I confess I'm one of them. I haven't written an actual long letter to someone for years. I have, you know, occasionally write little notes by longhand, but so much of our communication is by um, computer or, or, or by a smartphone. And it may be that most people under 20 years of age have never written a letter in their life, a physical letter to anybody, apart from as a school exercise in their English lessons where they're taught how to write letters and dear sir, dear madam, yours faithfully and so on and so forth. People just use social media and emails to keep in in contact. Now, is it a loss that we no longer write long letters? Well, maybe it may be no big loss, but one thing that you you do note when, when you're writing letters electronically Often you don't have time to really think about what you're writing. You can clatter it all down and you write fairly superficial letters to someone but not really going into much depth about your feelings and uh, about the things that are going on. We don't have time to ponder and think to go deeply um, in, 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 our, in our text. Why am I saying this? Well, the thing is, this this is the same about Christian relationships. Often, our interactions are very, very superficial. And actually, although we are face-to-face, often we're just texting people. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, yeah, I'm going out this week. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And we're not actually deeply sharing about the things of the Lord. Now, how important it, therefore, is that we should make use of the time that we do get, as Henry was saying, on, on the Lord's Day and on other days when we can gather together to actually share fellowship with God, share fellowship with one another, and share of the things that matter in our lives. I mean, we had an example just now, uh, both in Henry and Vicky sharing about different things, about different people, and us praying for them. This is a really important characteristic of Christian communication. It's meant to be deep. And that's what Paul was uh, wanting. You see that he says, basically, that he wanted people to be encouraged He wanted people to be encouraged. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And uh, this encouragement is, if if you like, the the one vaccination that we really do need regularly. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the controversy about whether we vax or whether we don't vax. 
that's another biological medical matter. But one thing that a Christian needs is constant encouragement. There's too many problems out there that strike us right in the face. Family problems, neighbor problems, work problems. Then we have all of a massive amount of, of things that hit us from the media. Henry mentioned one. I find it so depressing reading about the brutality of some parents with their children, these poor kids being, being, uh, being brutalized and sometimes killed by parents and step-parents. If constantly we're subjected to the depressing news that's going on in the world, the wars and the wretched cruelty of men and women, actually, you know, we're going to be worn down. We need the constant encouragement of Christian fellowship, of reminding each other of the way the Lord is graciously working in our lives, and indeed showing grace and kindness to one another in all the changing scenes of life, uh, as we were singing in, this, in uh, that song that uh, through all of the, the different disturbances and waves and problems, we've got our Christian brothers and sisters who are going to encourage us. So, let's keep in contact. Let's uh, really be involved in um, real fellowship with one another. So I want to move on to the second thing I, I, I want to talk about. Not just keep in touch with each other, but I want to look at the indestructible peace that God offers his people. Now, chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says something that he says on numerous occasions in his letters. Peace. Uh, it, this one is, is slightly unique because it actually he's talking in you know what teachers of English will tell you is the third person. Peace be to the brothers. Uh, you know, he's talking to, you know, if you like, to a, to a section of people. Uh, he doesn't say peace be to you brothers he says peace be to the brothers Um, so it's slightly different from the dozens of other times in most of his letters he starts with grace and peace to be to you from our father from from god the father and from our lord jesus christ and if you if you have a, a concordance it's very interesting to see the number of times he uses this expression but the thing is that this isn't paul just saying Dear Grandad, I hope you are well. I mean, that's how I used to write my letters, you know, to relatives. It always started off with, I hope you are well. (laughs) You know, it didn't really mean anything. It was kind of a vague, fuzzy word. I hope you are well. Uh, It's just a platitude, isn't it? And in fact, really in every culture, and it's certainly true in Greek and Roman culture, that they started off with a salutation which basically said, peace be to you. And we know that actually... um, uh, Jews use the word shalom. Muslims say assalamu uh, alaikum um, uh, as a greeting, peace be upon you, brother, and so on. So it's a very conventional thing. But for Paul, he did not come out with mere platitudes. And one of the things that we need to get into our minds is is that even the minutiae of the word of God are not platitudes. We can meditate on that expression, may the peace of God be with you, and we can find massive riches coming forth from that expression. The word of God is like not just a, 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 a massive treasure chest of jewels, also in a way it's, it's kind of like a tunnel 
of truth leading to that treasure chest of, uh, of jewels. Sometimes the words stare us in the face and we're not really thinking about them because we just, oh, they're just, well, yeah, uh, peace to be to you. But actually, the word of God invites us to open a door and get into what that really means or go down the tunnel and find the, the treasure chest at the end of the t- tunnel. We need to understand that, that the, the darkness of our understanding of the word of God is, is often simply caused by the when we're not actually spending time thinking about what this really means when Paul says peace be to you grace and peace be to you because he's praying it he's not merely coming out with a, a mindless platitude he's actually praying that God's peace is going to be upon these believers and we know from Jesus' teaching when Jesus talked about uh, the disciples uh, calling down God's peace upon a village, it was something that really mattered. And he said, well, in fact, if, if actually uh, they won't receive you, then let that peace return to you. And they will not have the actual spiritual blessings, the real or vital spiritual blessings that God wants for those people because they've refused that peace. And in a way, if we... I kind of like just read the words and don't really, you know, don't really think about what, what we're reading. In a sense, we're refusing that those blessings that indeed the Lord would have us uh, to know in our own lives. Um, now, I've been in the habit for years, actually, of, of um, at, uh, during summer months of actually putting a mask over my eyes because I am very both ear sensitive putting the earplugs and also light sensitive I wake up so easily um, but in fact during these, this dark springtime I haven't even bothered because there have been very few sunny mornings and uh, the result is very few sunny mornings I don't even need a mask on uh, last night for some reason or other, I put a mask on I didn't know it was going to be a sunny morning this morning and I woke up uh, about quarter to seven and it was complete darkness because I had this mask on you know, and I was actually thinking about this sermon, you know, and for about 10 or 15 minutes I was musing about aspects of this sermon. And then suddenly I thought, hang on, I've got a mask on. And I took the mask off and suddenly <laughs> I was in a room full of brightness and the radiance of the sun coming through the window. It was incredible, the transition. Because actually not only had a mask on, I wear a hat as well and that makes it very dark as well when I'm in bed. Now, the thing is that the Bible is something that really pays for attention and concentration and thinking about things that seem very little, but actually are saying a vast amount. And so when Paul says these simple words about uh, peace be to the brothers, which he says in Ephesians chapter 6, 23, or grace and peace be to you, He's talking not just about a platitude that means very little, but he's talking about something of vital importance for a Christian, for a believer. Now, what transforms mere platitudes? Oh, peace be upon you. Shalom. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be to you, brothers. You know, what transforms that into reality? Well, the answer, of course, is the Bible says is the Holy Spirit of God revealing to us the real meaning of that truth. The mask is taken away and we see what it really means. And I pray that the Lord will help us to see, have an insight in, into some of these qualities we're looking at tonight. There's nothing mechanical about this. 
You can read any holy book. You can read the Bible. And you can just read it, take the ideas in, but you haven't got a transformed soul. We need to have reality, not merely words. Now, we did read a, a, um, sorry, we sang a hymn, a well-known hymn by a Roman Catholic guy from 800 years ago, um, who appears to have been a very sincere fellow. There's another hymn that we sing quite often, and I'm not so sure about this guy. He's also a Roman Catholic. It's um, it's, um, Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts. Now, the thing is about this is that in this case, the man is asking for Jesus ever with us stay, make all our moments calm and bright, chase the dark night of sin away. Now Bernard of Clairvaux, he was made a saint also, um, was involved in recruitment for the first uh, the second crusade. And the, the crusades were basically wars against Muslim people in the Middle East, the so-called free, the so-called Holy Land, very cruel slaughters on both sides, but the, the so-called Christian side were the worst by far. And what this particular man who wrote Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts, uh, uh, said was um, that uh, part of his sermon said this, Cursed is he who doesn't stain his blood, stain his sword with blood. And... Uh, he was very disappointed when the, the crusade was a failure. He blamed it on the knights who, who, who didn't fight hard enough. Uh, but then he got involved in another crusade against um, um, pagans in Europe um, and uh, in, the, in Eastern Europe. And what he said to, in one of his sermons was this, and, so, and this was talking to people who were about to go out and slaughter people, until such a time as by God's help they shall either be converted or they be deleted. I'll say it again. Either they're to be converted or be deleted. And he meant wiped out. Men, women and children wiped out if they didn't receive Roman Catholic teaching. Now, what is the meaning of a hymn written by someone talking about Jesus, the joy of loving hearts, ever with us stay, make our moments calm and bright, and yet can pronounce such terrifying um, threats upon innocent people? Well, unfortunately, of course, it isn't just Roman Catholics that have had that unreality. Even uh, even people in the Reformed camp have been involved sometimes in uh, wars and cruelty. The Anabaptists are spiritual ancestors in Europe, or partly are spiritual ancestors in Europe, were slaughtered by the thousand in Northern Europe by Protestants, Protestant reformers. The peace of God, which passes understanding, had not actually led to that inner being being transformed into being a really peaceful person. And so at times of stress, they would say the most terribly violent and horrible things. Uh, Unfortunately, Martin Luther, one of my great heroes, uh, was prone to this. And on one occasion, he called for the nobles uh, to put down the rebel, uh, the rebels uh, who were having a, staging a rebellion, a peasants' rebellion, to put them down and stab and kill and, and so on and so, so forth in a tract he sent out, which he regretted later. But we must ourselves actually look into ourselves and say, 
When we say the, you know, we say the grace, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. But is that just a platitude? Because is it the next day we're finding ourselves we're getting angry, we're getting provoked, we might respond to a TV or a radio thing by getting very angry and, and finding revenge in ourselves. No. These aren't platitudes. When Paul says, may the peace of God be with you. May you know the love of God. May you know the grace of God. These are present realities that we are to step into, to taste, to enjoy. And I just want to look at these quickly as I can. Um, Just let's notice this. Paul says, peace be to the brothers. Peace be to the brothers. And on other occasions, as I've said on, on nearly a, well over a dozen occasions he talks about uh, the, 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 may the, the peace of God be with you uh, peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ so what are we talking about with, with this peace now why do I say it's indestructible now you'll see later on in verse 64 that's sorry 24 of chapter 6 that Paul talks about love being incorruptible, being indestructible. Why am I saying it's true of love, peace, and grace? Well, the first thing is this. These are qualities and things that ultimately come from God. And because God is love, true love is indestructible. Of course, we on earth experience human love. We experience uh, human love. That's imperfect. We love our, our parents, but we hate our enemies. We love our children, but we don't care much for these uh, horrible kids that do terrible things. But the love of God, the eternal love of God, is is a completely um, uh, indiscriminate love for all people, including God's enemies, including the wickedest people. There is still love from God and mercy to those who will receive it. And... uh, because it is a quality of God, it is indestructible. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that in the church there are three things, three things that will remain in the church forever as long as it's on earth, and that is faith, hope, and love. But the greatest thing is not just faith to move mountains or hope that we have that, that keeps us going in difficult circumstances. The greatest thing of all is love. And that's indestructible. But the same applies to peace and the same applies to grace. These are qualities ultimately that are in God, from God, and are the source of these things in our life. Do we wish to have peace within ourselves? It is God who will provide us with that peace. Do we wish the peace to flow through us so that we're no longer aggressive, angry, revengeful, bitter, resentful, nasty. We get it from God. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, the peace I give to you, the world cannot give, but my peace I will give to you. The source of peace is indestructible peace that comes from God. Now, some of us actually do have a problem about um, how, how, how at peace because well some of us look upon our past and we're aware of evil things we've done thought said 
when we look at the teaching of Jesus and we realize how pure and holy, how loving, how kind we're meant to be, and how our lives have been filled with so much self-centeredness, lust, rebellion, pride, disobedience, willfulness, defiance, secretly, we kind of get very, very troubled about it. Indeed, I believe that as people start to look into the word of God and see that God is coming on judgment day and the, there, are, there will be books that will be read out the book of our lives and not just the things we remember but the thing God remembers about all of the dark and nasty things in our lives our conscience will torment us and actually we will be, we'll be kind of tossed about by a terrible sense of, uh, of the fact that we will go to hell forever now Jesus showed us the way out. This is, there's uh, an account in Mark chapter 4 of a storm on a lake. Now this storm overpowered a boat in which the disciples and Jesus were. In fact Jesus was asleep when the storm was on. When Jesus awakes he sees the, the disciples in torment, in a, pa- in, in a panic, thinking they were going to die, they were going to be drowned. Um, in fact, we know that on the, on the Lake of Galilee, or the Sea of Galilee as it's called, they do have these incredible storms, and people have drowned uh, in these storms. And Jesus says, hush, be still. The English Standard Version says, peace, be still. But the word is probably better translated as, as hush, be still. But it amounts to the same thing, because this massive storm suddenly became a tranquil lake. The waves went, the winds stopped, and there was safety and security. In Jeremiah 23:19, it says, Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, it will burst upon the head of the wicked. And it's repeated again uh, in Jeremiah 30, the next chapter. Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest, it will burst upon the head of the wicked. Now that is a reality. At some point in the future, we will stand before the throne of God and there will be a terrible storm of judgment coming upon everyone who has sinned. But here is where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus causes the storm to disappear. Why? Because he took the storm of the wrath of the Father in heaven upon himself so that we might be saved. He was our substitute. He died in our place. He suffered in our place. He, he died on that cross so that we wouldn't die and be sent to hell for eternity. He becomes a shelter for his people. Isaiah wrote 800, 700 years before Jesus Christ. And yet he talks about the wonderful way in which God works in Jesus. It says in Isaiah 25 verse 4, You've been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm. A shelter from the storm. So, if there's anybody listening online, anybody in church tonight, that actually is uneasy about what's going to happen on the day of judgment to them, and they're aware of the fact they have broken God's commands, and they're aware that the Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die, and it's not just because it's, uh, you, you've, you've committed every sin that you can't possibly do so, but in fact... All have 
fallen short of the glory of God. And we only have to fall short just by a little bit and we are no longer destined for heaven, the Bible says. Because the fact we sin just at those little bits that people don't really notice, that's a sign of our inward darkness. But we may receive the peace of Christ through faith. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. And uh, all we need to do is, is to come to him and receive him. Now, I've been talking about the fact that um, these three things we're talking about tonight, peace, love, and grace, are not just platitudes, they're realities. We live in a material world, and we can only be aware with our eyes and ears of sight, sights and sounds, and our, our brain can uh, you know, uh, translate information from data from computers and stuff, and we can work out things that way. But the Bible tells us that despite... The fact that we're so reliant usually on the material world, there is a spiritual world. And just as God is here, and God is everywhere in the universe, so the Lord Jesus Christ is also everywhere in the universe. And what we need to do is to reach out, to reach out to him and trust him. On one occasion, that when Jesus was upon earth... There was, a, there was a crowd following Jesus and they were all wanting to see him do miracles and they wanted to hear his teaching. Hundreds and, well, hundreds, and hundreds of people. And one woman had, a, had a, a problem she wanted to be healed from. It was a gynecological problem, you might say. She had a flow of blood and it wouldn't stop. And uh, she couldn't get near Jesus. And secondly, she was actually technically unclean. And wouldn't have been allowed, she shouldn't have even been allowed in proximity to other people. She shouldn't have touched anybody else. But she was so desperate to be healed. She reached out and she touched the fringe of Jesus' garment. She didn't get through to, to, you know, to touch his body, just, just you know, part of his robe. And then we're told that power went forth from him. Now here's the marvelous thing. We may be in contact with Jesus Christ now... Not because we can touch him physically. No, this is the material world. But our hearts and spirits can reach out to him and he can hear us. He can hear our thoughts. He can hear our heart's desire. And if we come to him and cry out to him, Lord, I know that I'm lost. Please save me. He hears us. He answers us. He forgives us. And he changes us. And you may be at home and and really perplexed and worried about life and where your life is going just reach out in your mind and in your heart and spirit and speak to Jesus and he will answer you and he will save you he's made that promise and uh, the thing is this about this peace that he brings to our lives it's meant to have an effect on our lives it's meant to not only save us but cause us to be changed to be men and women of peace Uh, that's why Paul says peace be to the brothers. That's why some commentators say he says peace be to the brothers or peace be to the family as I've explained. The word there brethren is being used for the family of God in, in Ephesus. That actually we're to be at peace with one another. You know it, this is an exhortation for us to try to be at peace with all men and women. We have a problem with a neighbour, they're noisy, they're, they're unhelpful, they're nasty. Will we try to spread peace kind to them don't get angry don't get nasty get back but return blessing for cursing if we have a problem in 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 the 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 community of people who are following jesus and there's a problem well 
We can't do anything about it if someone is annoyed with us. All we can do is try to spread peace by ourselves. We don't get annoyed. We just show love, show care, show truthfulness. Yes, we've got to be truthful, but we show the love of Jesus Christ and patience of Jesus Christ with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, in Ephesians earlier, uh, some months ago, um, Paul had talked about in Ephesians... um, which I preached about some months ago, he talked about the fact that Christ had broken the barriers down between people. And there's no longer to be different races, different backgrounds, different cultures, different ages. There's no longer to be all these things that separate people. But we're to be one in Christ. There's no room for racism in the church. There's no room for any kind of division based upon age or background or culture. Someone's rich, someone's poor. Oh, they don't have anything to do with another. That's despicable. For, for the, the church of Christ. Because all of us are one in Christ. And uh, I just want to, to point out that, of course, this brings us um, this fact that peace is meant to, to show itself in practice. It brings us to the next link of this, uh, this thing that uh, appears to be intangible because it talks about the love. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice that Paul links love with faith. Now, I've mentioned that when we come to have peace with God, we come by faith in him. We can't see him with our physical eyes, but we trust, just as God has created the whole universe, so through Jesus Christ, God has made peace with us through the blood of Christ on the cross. Through faith, we are saved because of God's grace. And uh, in just the same way as, as, uh, as um, peace leads to, leads to a change in our relationship with our, uh, our fellow human beings, so the love of God, which comes through faith, also leads to actual activity, leads to, to behavior. Paul says in another of his letters, uh, talking to Thessalonians, he says, I remember your work... For, for God, which has been produced by faith. Your labor for God, prompted by love. Because you see, the thing is this, when we have more and more love for God in our life, and more and more love for people, we do things. It changes us. The true believer actually uh, seeks to live as Christ lived. Now, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see an example of the kind of changes that should be coming over us as believers. For some of us, me especially, it's taking a long time. But maybe the Lord's getting there. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, now just listen to these words again. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of, of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things, endures all things. And so you see that we have a clear message that as we have the love of God in our lives, there's going to be change. Paul says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith. Uh, Paul, you know, in talking about uh, love with faith, he's, he's, he's on another occasion says, he talks about love working through faith. Love working through faith. And uh, we, need to, we need to see that uh, that is the, um, the, the plan for, God's, for God in our life. Love should start taking on more and more of a visible manifestation as we are more and more in contact with this amazing love of God for us. Okay, thirdly and lastly of these, of these three qualities. He finishes by saying, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible or undying love. Now, Ephesians is the letter that where Paul is talking about grace all of the time. Beginning of Ephesians in verse 6, we are to live to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us. In him we have redemption uh, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I could go on. The grace of God is a gift. Now, grace is not a, a kind of a, a, a substance, a kind of a, some sort of uh, material thing. It's a quality of God. And a quality of God that we are able to interact with. Because one thing is for certain, we are sinners and we need mercy. We need grace. And indeed, as we, you know, even as we come to church and we freely sing hymns and talk about the Lord and pray, we are depending upon his kindness and mercy for us. It's a gift to sinners. We're justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. It abounds through Jesus Christ. Um, Paul says, the gift of, by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. And in uh, verse 17 of Romans 5, he talks about the abundance of grace in Jesus Christ. And goes on to talk about um, reigning in life through grace. So grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So God's grace and kindness is something that we should be interacting with constantly. And we are interacting with constantly. We're surrounded by his grace. Then someone might say, and maybe someone online listening might say, but hang on, you're, you're telling me these wonderful things. Yes, you can have peace of, from God, you can have all of this love, and you can have all of this grace and kindness. But what's going to prevent me deciding to do something really that's quite evil? I mean, I have a pretty terrible example of this. I, I read in the paper yesterday. In the last few days, uh, an, in America, an armed man threatened to kill his girlfriend, tied him to her with a shotgun pointed at her, and uh, the police surrounded his house. The FBI got involved because it was quite near an FBI headquarters, only, only literally around the corner. And uh, he, was, he, he was convicted of other crimes, which made it a federal offense. And uh, they tried to convince him. They had a, they had a you know, a negotiator. 
tried to convince him to give himself up. And the FBI man said, I know, you're not, I know you know you're in control of this, and you can end this at any time, but it doesn't mean you have to end your life or anyone else's life today. So the negotiator was trying to get him to surrender. The man responded, I hope you all brought body bags. He threatened to shoot any policeman who tried to come into the property. And he said this, I will be accountable, but that's between me and God. From my understanding, Jesus already paid for our sins, so God will forgive me if I have to sin one more time. Terrible to think about killing someone and say, oh, God will forgive me. A lot of non-Christians think that that is what we Christians believe, that someone, once they're saved, can do what they like. Well, if anyone wants to murder someone and does murder someone, it's a 99.99% uh, um, uh, probability that that person was not a Christian in the first place. God will forgive me if I sin just one more time. Now hang on. There I am, am I condemning this particular man who actually ended in his own death. They actually saved the life of his girlfriend. Um, but he, he was killed in the incident. But actually, isn't it true that some of us as Christians, certainly myself, in times in our lives, we actually have gone ahead and sinned. And though we haven't actually said what this man said, well, God will forgive me one more go, actually, that's really what our attitude has been. We may not articulate it in words, but we've defiantly gone ahead and rebelled against the living God. We've been defiant. What's Paul's answer? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Don't you know that, that just as Christ died, so you die to sin through the body of Christ? God forbid that we should actually live in a way where grace has a, grace has a, has a result that just makes us more self-centered, more defiant, and more sinful. No, the grace of God is something in which we can live and in rejoice and be glad in the forgiveness of our sins and the wonderful kindness of God to us and then move on higher and higher getting, getting uh, closer to the Lord in our lives and overcoming sin in our life. You see, the final realities of these things that, that Paul is talking about here when he says grace, peace, love, incorruptible love be with you is that for the true believer, whatever life throws at us, we will be able to stand. And we will be able to stand in that undying, incorruptible love. Some grammarians uh, say that, in fact, that in, in the actual text itself, uh, the reference to incorruptibility is actually not love, incorruptible, but it actually has got to do with grace. Now, this is complicated Greek grammatical argument. I'm not going to bother to go into I think I've indicated already... The whole of Paul's teaching, the whole of the Bible indicates all of those three qualities are incorruptible, are from God, are um, eternal qualities. Um, but I want us to notice this, that if it is indeed undying love, it refers to the fact that if we are truly believers, our response to the Lord is an undying attachment to him. We're not just talking about our emotions, they go up and down. It's like in a marriage. 
You know, we may have very strong feelings and then they may go through a rocky patch. Our feelings are not so much. And maybe as we get older, they certainly may not be the same kind of feelings we had when we were younger. But the attachment remains. And the undying attachment to Jesus Christ is really, I guess, one of the things that defines a Christian. He or she perseveres to the end. And they persevere in following Jesus. This perseverance is something that God himself has given to us. It's him who's placed in our hearts this, this love, this undying love. So that no matter what happens, we actually do, we do stay attached to him. Even when the most terrible things may happen. Uh, we may worry about the future. We may see terrible things happening in other countries. We may think, well, what happens if, if it happens in this country? Well, let me remind you of the passage that, uh, that um, indeed was mentioned, I think, this morning where Paul says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And here is where Paul comes in with his own attachment uh, to the Lord. I am convinced, I know in my heart that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The final realities of the Christian life are that the grace and peace and love that Paul is talking about in this little little few sentences at the end of his letter are really the most important qualities that will take us through the whole of life. That we actually understand the grace of God. We're convinced of it. That we have peace with God and therefore have peace of mind and heart and peace with our fellow Christians. And we have this Attachment, this undying attachment and love of the Lord, which grows. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love, with incorruptible love. And as it grows, uh, we rejoice in it more and uh, we will not be overcome by the world.